Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill. We all know a great relationship starts by picking a great partner, a great fit for you. But that's not always the easiest thing to do. Sometimes we pick someone and initially it seems like things will be perfect, but then they go south. Other times we recognize a pattern that we keep selecting partners that have the same qualities and these qualities have never worked before and they're not working now. We want to be attracted to healthy, emotionally stable, mature people. And yet, sometimes we find that we are, sadly, attracted to people who have traits and characteristics that are not at all emotionally healthy or mature. So what do we do? Well, we work on it, right? We read books, we listen to podcasts, we take courses, we get into counseling, Today, we're going to speak with a therapist, Anita Staudemeyer. She's written a book called Choose Well, a simple formula to determine the best man for you. Let me tell you a little bit more about Anita. Anita Staudemeyer is a licensed professional therapist and love mentor who founded Better Love Movement, an online coaching business that helps women of all ages master their feminine power and create the relationships they want. She also has a private counseling practice in Virginia, Growth Therapy Center, which focuses on couples counseling and other mental health concerns. Anita is passionate about all things love and relationships, as she knows that the quality of our lives is that much richer when our personal relationships are healthy and fulfilling. She creates online courses, is an author, speaker, and host of the podcast, Better Love Movement. My conversation with Anita of Better Love Movement, right after this. Anita, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much, Dr. Karen, for having me on. It is a true pleasure. We've connected on Instagram and gone back and forth here and there. And then you published a book. Yes, yes. Choose Well, a simple formula to determine the best man for you. The simple formula is the key, right? Because I think sometimes Mm. it feels a little bit more complex and convoluted than we'd like it to be when we've been on the dating scene for a number of years. Right. And it really is simple. I have boiled down in this little book, this two-part formula. And this book is the first part of the formula, which is all about how to choose well. I love that. Choose well and do well. Mm -hmm. And you present a simple formula for, quote, loving, satisfying, long-term relationship slash marriage. And that is what so many of us are looking for. I would I would submit most of us are looking for that right. partnership, that companion to do life with. And I love that you boil it down to the essence, which is let's choose an appropriate, uh, a good fit for us in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then once we have that partner, let's do the relationship thing well. 
Right. That's the second book. It will be out in the summer. And that is basically going to give women the steps to really show up in their relationships. Because I actually don't believe that marriage or relationships is, quote, hard. I believe that when we choose the person who's the best fit for us, we are required to show up every day. We're required to fill that love bucket of the other person, and hopefully that other person is filling our love bucket. I love that. And you know, from being in this space, there is okay. so much out there about relationships are just such hard work and the old ball and chain. And right. I absolutely agree with you. I'm so glad to know that there's someone else out there who agrees with me <laughs> that it yep. shouldn't be that hard. So many of the women in my community, when they talk about these relationships they've been in for four or five years, and it's so difficult. And I think probably because it's not the right fit for you. Exactly. Exactly. I see it all the time. I even have married couples, they come into my practice or couples, like you said, who are dating and have been dating for a long time. And I'm thinking, these people might not be the best yeah. fit for each other. <laughs> yeah, two good people and yeah, fine right, right. and have lots to offer a relationship. But this particular relationship, these right. dynamics that they bring out in each other when they are together isn't bringing out the best in either of them and probably mm -hmm. bringing out the worst in them. So, okay, well, when that book comes out, we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Yes, and I yes, love it. You. Love it. So let's stick to the choosing well for mm -hmm. this conversation because that's what this book is about. And you note that many women struggle, you believe, because of three factors. You say, one, they focus on things that don't matter. Mm -hmm. Two, they don't really know themselves and what they want and need to be happy. And three, they're having a hard time healing from past wounds. Mm, that's it. I get a little bit of each of those three. So yeah. they know they want a, quote, good guy. And then mm -hmm. I have to get them to really define that. You've got to get laser focused. What does that look like for you? See, and that right. might be subjective to all of us. So you're a good guy, may not be a good guy for me. So I really encourage women to get clear about that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, a lot of people don't truly know themselves. They don't yeah. know what their deal breakers are. And I know you talk about this a lot. You will save yourself so much heartache if you just see that deal breaker coming in the door and go, mm-mm, not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's not for me. But you got to know yourself. And then, of course, you have my ladies who have been out here and they've tried and, you know, have not been successful and are still very wounded, Yeah, still very wounded from their past relationships. Yeah, it's really so hard to get over that heartbreak mm -hmm. when it's something we've encountered multiple times in our adulthood and it, you start to doubt yourself, is something wrong with me? Am I the mm -hmm. problem? And then that can really take a toll on your self-esteem. So that woundedness can be hard to recover from, for sure. Right. And we got to take the time. We got to take the time necessary. We got to be self-reflective and really think about, okay, I've got to unpack this because, let's be honest, there could be a little of you in there. Mm -hmm. There could be a little of you showing up over and over. Mm -hmm. And we've got to take the time to unpack that. You also mentioned the things that don't matter. What kinds of things do you see women focusing on that really aren't important, but they seem to think they're important? 
we are in a culture right now, unfortunately, that folks are focused on money or status. They're focused on things that really are not going to offer us long-term happiness. And we're seeing this, like, not even just in relationships, but for life. It's the little things, you know. For me, it's my garden. It's being out in nature. I just Mm -hmm. feel so amazing when I'm out there. And yet, you know, it's not a million dollars. It's not even like sitting on the beach in Fiji, but (laughs) it's a very simple thing that gives me so much joy. So I really have my ladies focus on what I believe is going to bring them that long-term happiness. And it's not just the car he drives or how much money he makes or how good he looks in a suit or, you know, I mean, those are all wonderful things, but Mm -hmm. we've got to look deeper than that. Character is king. It Mm -hmm. really is. Yeah. My last podcast episode, I talked about values and I think Mm -hmm. that's we don't think of values as that's sexy. Right, right. We think of, yeah, the guy, how he looks in the suit and all that. But man, isn't it sexy to have a relationship that's easy? And one of the Mm -hmm. ways to make it easy is if you align on core values, there is just less to fight about. And so, so, So yeah, it's just money in the bank. I know when I was in my marital therapy class, they talked about those common core values Because life's going to throw plenty of challenges your way. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to have conflict. So you might as well. And those big ticket items, faith and family Mm. values and Mm. what we should do. How do we spend money? Do we splurge on vacations because we want to live in the moment? Or do we save because security is our value? All those kinds of questions. And that gets back to what you were saying earlier. And I try to encourage my community that this season of singleness is really an opportunity. It can be framed as a gift to further understand ourselves so that when someone shows up, we can identify, wow, we do have common values. So this is a good fit. This is a a smart, a wise choice. Right. I was listening to Dr. John Gray today, and he has been one of my long-term mentors forever, uh, the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And he was saying, you know, your single season is the time where you really discover your own happiness. Like you really lean in to what genuinely makes you happy, like inside of yourself before you go out and try to seek it in another. Mm. And man, that was like an aha moment. So I've got to share this with other ladies. You know, I want y'all to take this time to just focus on the simplest things that really bring you happiness, really bring you joy. And as you spoke of those, making sure those values are aligned, that's really bigger than these other things that people are prioritizing. Those things long-term are not going to make you happy. No. So you and I need to start a campaign. Values are sexy, right? right? right. <laughs> Let are. them know. Yeah. Because it is, it's sexy. It, it's exhilarating to be in partnership where you do share that passion for philosophies and ways of living. And it makes it so much easier. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, 
We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. And we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. You mentioned that you basically wrote the book you wish had been available to you when you were 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that was a really tough time for you. You were diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, and your therapist also believed you had some codependent tendencies. That struggle to control. Mm. We want to control our trajectory. We want to you know, at 30, I want to have this, this, and this in my right. life. I want the man, I want the picket fence, and I want a baby, you know, bun in the oven, right? And yep, yep. and we want to control those things. And you mentioned, I love this, but you said the one thing you could control, your thoughts and your actions, you refuse to manage at that right. point in your life. And it's crazy making. It's crazy yeah. making to think that you're going to control all these things outside of you, all these people. It is crazy making, but that is, you know, anxiety. That's what anxiety does. It it puts you into this mode of, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to try to control everything, therefore alleviating my anxiety. Right. <laughs> but right. I missed the part that said, I can't control anything other than me. <laughs> so, right. yeah, so I really, it was a process of surrender. Mm. It really, really was. I went through about eight years where I read everything I could get my hands on, and I read uh, Dr. David Hawkins' book, Letting Go. That was a huge part of my journey, but I had to surrender to this idea that I could control things outside of myself. I had to let that go. And the codependency, you know, that's a big part of it is Mm -hmm. wanting to control other people and have everything be just so and focus so much on what's outside instead of what's inside of us. Yeah, I have been in recovery for codependency for what, 25 years? It's been a while. Yeah, that process of realizing, okay, I'm trying to control all these external things. I've got my Mm -hmm. focus and my attention on things that I absolutely cannot manage or orchestrate. Right. But the most important and the most powerful thing you can control is your mind. That's because it. none of those external situations have any power over you That's if you right. take charge of your thinking and your mm-hmm. beliefs and your mindset. That's it. That's it. And I became like obsessed with all things law of attraction. You know, I was like, I'm going to master this. This is amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just went on this journey and I'm still on that journey to this day. One of my favorite sayings is if something happens and I am triggered, like I will say, oh, wow. So my trigger has shown up. Like mm-hmm. I will acknowledge now, mm-hmm. wow, that, that, comment or that behavior has triggered something in me. Oh, childhood wounds have shown up, you know, like I'm famous for acknowledging now, oh, the ego has made an appearance, you know. (laughs) So yes, I think that's a part of it. We got to acknowledge, okay, I'm feeling triggered. It reminds me of ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. I'm not Mm. sure if you work with that with your clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had the founder of ACT, Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, on the program a couple of times. Yeah, uh, I was so honored to have him. He talked about 
exactly what you did. Instead of saying, I am triggered, that's a, that's a fused position. I, mm-hmm. my entire state of being is by definition, this thing, I right. am triggered. You said my trigger has shown up. Right. And that's what he calls defusion. I'm sure you're familiar yep. with that term. You defuse yep. yourself from that mm-hmm. trick. You notice it. You're, you have a bit of detachment there. He talks about saying things instead of I'm feeling this or I'm thinking this. I'm noticing that I have mm. the thought that. Mm-hmm. That's essentially a therapeutic intervention that you right. probably share with your clients, but you also use on yourself. That's right. And I tell them that often. I said, everything I'm sharing with you, I'm actively using. I encourage my ladies to observe more, observe their feelings, observe their thoughts more, that that they're not necessarily their feelings. You know, you're having the feeling, but I Mm -hmm. want you to observe it. Right, right. Observe it. Get a little distance from it. Right. And be curious about it. What's that yep. about? And instead of being overwhelmed by it and feeling that you have no choice but to react. Yep. Yeah, you're reactive. <laughs> right, right. You have no choice but to have this massive reaction and then later go, oh, I mm, wish I hadn't yep. done that. <laughs> yep, yep. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Getting back to your story, so you at age 30, you decided that at age 30, it was time to meet your husband Mm -hmm. and you declared on your 30th birthday that you would be meeting your husband that year and you went about that and made it happen. Yep. Yep. And in that process, did not choose well. Okay. You know, did not choose well. I was under, you know, a self-imposed time restraint Mm -hmm. and did not use any of the tools that Mm -hmm. I give to a lot of ladies in this book. Did not have boundaries, did not have standards, did not have those three lists, and I did not make a good choice. Yeah. And I was really struck because you go into some detail about this relationship because obviously it's this relationship that caused you to then examine yourself. Eventually in the moment you were kind of just gunning, like I'm going to get married. This is what's going to (laughs) happen. And so, yeah. And you guys even broke up. You called off your engagement at one point, got into counseling and then it turned out you were pregnant and that's essentially why you guys got back together then. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, my love of family, Wanting to bring my daughter into a family was very important to me. But I can be honest, like I can self-reflect and say there were plenty of red flags, plenty of red flags, and I should not have moved forward, but I did. And let's talk about that a little bit. And I can relate because, as you know, I was engaged and almost Mm -hmm. married the wrong person for me. How do we help women listening pay more attention to those red flags? Red flags, because I think what happens so often is those other forces, like the self-imposed right. timeline or societal timeline, because maybe they're tired of going home for Christmas and their aunt and, and their grandmother keep asking them when they're going to get married or all these other things that, that can cloud our vision and cause us to miss those red flags. Or even if we see them, we just go, oh, it'll be fine. It'll work out. Right. And this is a a big part of just knowing yourself. You've got to really take the time to get to know yourself. I believe the three lists that I give you in my book are going to help you to do that. I have given this assignment 
for years and years to my counseling clients, and I finally wanted to give it to all of my coaching clients. But I asked that they make three lists. The first list is an I want list. That's the list that the clients get to put everything their heart desires on, right? I want you to just ask yourself, what do I want in a partner and in a relationship? The second list is an I don't want list. On this list, we're going to put all of our deal breakers. We're going to put all of the things that we don't want in a partner and in a relationship. The third list is the list where we're going to dive deep into our soul, and that is the I need list. That requires that you really know yourself. You really know um, what you really need to show up as your best self. And people often ask me, what's the difference between an I want and an I need? So I will say, well, and I want is like a fun, frivolous, shallow thing, right? So I often tell women, I want a man who is six foot four. <laughs> and then a needless, though, that's like I said, we're going to dive deep into our soul and say, you know, what do I need to truly be my best self with this person and in a relationship? And so on my I need list, I would say, I need a man who is faithful to me. So those are the difference between the three lists that I have in the book. And if you're utilizing, as you stated before, your values, the things that are really important to you to create those lists, um, people ha have always said to me, okay, Anita, I have my three lists and I've done my boundaries and my standards. And you're right, I'm not going to settle. And I love to tell people this. Yes, you will. We all will settle. We're not going to get everything we want, and we're not going to get everything we need. But the one list I don't want you to settle on is the don't want list. Mm -hmm. Anything that's on that don't want list, I don't want you to settle for. So there were several things, you know, <laughs> that when I think back, you know, was kind of on my don't want list. And yet, you know, I went forward. I went forward with someone who had things that I didn't want. And ultimately, those things, you know, reared their ugly head and they led to the end of my marriage. Yeah. And you said, and I can I can resonate with this as well. You said, quote, honestly, I knew this was a mistake deep in my heart. I knew this man was not what I wanted or needed, but my desire to be chosen yeah. won out over my common sense. And as you just mentioned, the desire to have a family for right. your baby. Anyone could understand why someone moves forward towards something that's not right for them because those other pressures and those other desires are very strong. They are. And I, I think in our society, in our culture right now, you know, we have to have a new narrative. We mm. have to have a new narrative around some of this. I think that would be helpful. Okay? Yeah. Um, I know women are under a tremendous amount of pressure to kind of be all things to all people and we just have to have a new narrative around this. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I try to do, just try to share that we are the ones who decide what our life is about. And mm -hmm. we can choose to put a self-imposed timeline on our lives, or we can try to have more, again, using from ACT, psychological flexibility. Mm-hmm. 
many of us grow up, I, you know, I had a friend who was, I want to be a young mom. Well, why? I mean, yes, if you happen to meet the right person young and get to be a young, great. But if you don't meet the right person until you're 45, then you're not going to be a young mom. And can we be flexible enough to think, well, for whatever reason, that was my journey and my path and better to honor the path that I have than right. to try to force a life that really wasn't mine to have and then be miserable because I made all these choices. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, but I know for me, you know, I came out of a family where people did get married even younger than when I got married. Yeah. They got mm-hmm. married young and had their family. And then, you know, by the time they were in their 40s, all their kids were grown and out of the house. And, you know, so I felt some pressure around 25. My mom's like, so are you, have you met anyone? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting too, Anita, and I wonder what you see from the couples you work with as well. I was reading something recently about, I think it was Esther Perel's work, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. we are expecting a lot more from our relationships. So getting back to that narrative that we expect to have, like you said, you're going to settle for something, right? Right. But we expect a lot from our partnerships. We expect to have hot sex. We expect to marry our best friend. We expect to have all these hopes and dreams to be realized through this person, this partnership. And I think that's great because I do believe in high expectations in the Mm -hmm. sense that we keep our standards high when dating. And actually there's research by a psychologist. I think it's Bacham. Mm-hmm. And he talks about having high standards and dating the couples he's looked at when they are married, they maintain those high standards. So for right. people to go, you know, I'm looking for something. Yeah, I want something great. I'm not looking for mediocre here. That that's a great way to approach dating because you're going to find someone who's like-minded, who also right. wants a really exceptional marriage. But again, if we're putting too much of our expectations onto one person expectations can in that sense, if if I expect my partner to be my all in all and my everything, that's also very unrealistic. And I agree with that. Again, I was listening to John Gray earlier and he was saying, you know, we have these 10 love buckets and all of those buckets are filled in different ways. And your partner, you know, is really only one there's there's it's like uh, Willard Harley's work where you have the 10 core emotional needs where there's only one core emotional need that only your partner can meet there's only one and that's sexual fulfillment mm-hmm. so for those of us who desire monogamy that would be the one need that we have that we can only get met by our partner. We have nine other needs that other people, our pets, our children, our friends, our family, our work, they can meet those needs. And I want us to open up a little more to that. Mm-hmm. So I agree with Esther Perel's work. I really do. I think we're, we are putting a little too much on this one person and it can it can be a lot, you know, I don't want to be all of that to another person. Like I want them to have work that they love and I want them to have friends and I want them to have, you know, um, volunteer work that they do. You know, I want them to find joy in other things. You know, I don't want to be that all in all for a person and, and vice versa. Yeah, I yeah, I, I remember even in high school 
with my friends and they'd get a boyfriend and all of a sudden, you know, they ditch their friends, the, you know, the, the sad story. We've all been there. And then they're dragging their boyfriend to the mall. He don't want to be at the mall. I'm like, why'd you di- like go out on a date with him on Friday night and then Saturday afternoon come t- to the mall with us? Like, what's the problem? Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. You see it play out. Yeah. Man, that's always the girl I have been, though. I am classically introverted, so that's always kind of the girl I have been. Like, I like my my guy for the fun stuff, the sexy stuff, but in general, like, I love my girlfriends. I love my girl's trip every year that we go on. I love my pets. I love <laughs> my gardening. You know, there's so many things that I just love doing that have nothing to do with my partner. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yes. I'm a big fan and my community has heard me talk about this a lot. I'm very much about you are a full, independent, mm-hmm. emotionally mature person who handles their own emotional state, doesn't expect their husband or partner to all of a sudden make them feel a certain type of way. Exactly. It's it's on you. And then you two full, complete people partner through life together. No one's looking to the other. You complete me. No, that's the worst line from a very good movie, but (laughs) the worst line. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. But so I'm really into, and I even put it this way, which some people push back against, which is fine because it's, it's, I, I like that there's discourse and that we talk about these things and we don't have to agree on every single philosophy for love and dating and romance. But I go with, I'd rather be wanted than needed. Right. I don't really want my husband to need me. That mm. to me is not sexy. It, that that mm-hmm. veers into codependency as we spoke to earlier. I want because if he needs me, then it's just a void in his heart or his psyche that he he needs a woman to fill. And if he needs me, then anyone will do really. Right. Right. If he wants yeah. me, then he wants Karen, and no one else will do. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's bordering on, like you said, that codependency, which Mm -hmm. mm -mm, not going back to that. (laughs) I have made that commitment. Nope. Mm -mm. Well, and Anita, again, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about some of your healing, because you did mention that codependency for a time, that was a a pattern that you were falling into. Mm -hmm. You had the anxiety. You also felt that your relationship with your ex, that there was definitely... There were some toxic elements. And then you say in the book, which I loved, you said, quote, I'm proud to say I've never dated another narcissist, cheater, or liar since then. And so many women that I interact with feel that their picker, you know, quote unquote, right. pick their, their picker's yep. off and that they continue repeatedly to be attracted to the narc and attracted to the bad guy. And mm. the good, solid, kind, loving, supportive, secure guy is boring to them. And they right. really wish they could go into their biology and say, hey, be attracted to the right guy for once, please. But they're mm. struggling with that. Can you break down some of the steps that you took to move your ability to even feel attraction to someone in, in a more positive, healthy direction? So one, you've got to decide if there is some programming there. And for most of us, there is. There's some childhood programming at work. For me, it was my dad. He was uh, classically, you know, very hyper-masculine, emotionally unavailable man. Um, and... I was a daddy's girl up until I was about maybe five or six when my parents got divorced. And then that sent me on a trajectory to constantly wanting to be seen by him, wanting Mm. to be chosen by him, you know, and 
that played out over and over in the relationships I had is wanting to perform for a man and wanting to give and do and be chosen. Um, that, that was like all of my 20s, all of my 30s. That's what it was all about is being chosen. And it was only until I woke up at 40 and I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing the choosing. Mm. How about that? <laughs> like, yes. do, like, do I like you? <laughs> that, yes. That's yes. the question now. Like every day yeah. I'm just sitting there like, yeah, what do I think about this guy? How do I feel with him? Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't care what he thinks of me. <laughs> do <Yeah>. I like you? <laughs> yes. So we got to heal that. If we got some some faulty programming from mom, from dad, if we got something going on in us that... um we got to you know, maybe go to therapy and talk about and really see those patterns. Um, now, I like to tell people, and yeah, this is going to sound boring, but I'm going to be honest with you all. Now, my guidepost for a healthy relationship is peace. Mm. Like peace, right? Like mm-hmm. we're seeing each other. We're, we're at each other's homes. We're going out. And nothing bad is happening. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) This is fantastic. You know, nothing bad is happening. No one's being verbally abused. No, no, you know, there's nothing funny going on. You know, (laughs) that's my marker now is, is, is it peaceful? Um, Is it kind? You know, is it loving? Are we mutually reciprocating each other's time and attention? Like that's, that's golden for me now. So the first thing I did was I dove into that old programming because that was really what was kind of running my adult self was the little girl saying, see me, hear me, choose me, here I am. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of, it just reminds me of, I love that reframe that you shared that so often we have to check ourselves if we're on a date, it needs to be. It's a lot to process, honestly. It's a first date, right. so you're, it's awkward anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe you met online, so you're like walking in the Starbucks like, okay, he said he had a red hat. You know, it's a lot going on, but we also right. need to be real mindful of being present enough mm. to be interpreting the information we're getting and much more thinking, how do I feel in his presence? Do I feel right. calm? Do I feel safe? Do I mm. feel seen? Do I feel heard? As opposed to, does he like me? And did I say something funny? Was that stupid to say? Did I, should I twirl my hair here? It's just, it should be much more reading the information you're receiving as opposed to trying to present some sort of, of image of who you want him to perceive you to be. Right. And I, I, I encourage my ladies that, you know what, I don't want you to perform. Yeah. Like there's no performing. You're going to show up. You're going to be your amazing self, but you're also going to be present enough to really, you know, determine how you feel about this man sitting in front of you. That's it. Like you're going to show up. You're going to be you. I believe that's good enough. (laughs) And then you're also going to say, you know, what do I think about him? You know, what do I think about some things we're talking about? Do we have some aligned values? And um, do we have some things we may be compatible on? Like, yeah, I want you to ask, you know, to ask yourself, how do you feel about him? Not, oh, does he like this on me? Or am I pretty enough? Or am I skinny enough? Like, mm mm-mm. Don't ask any of those questions. <laughs> you, know, you are good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. As you were starting to make that shift for yourself and you started to identify some of that programming and realize, wow, that stuff from when I was five, that's playing out mm-hmm. right now in real time yeah. in my relationships. And then as you started to identify that, was the healing then more natural and organic or did you have to really tell yourself, hey, Anita, the next guy that really you have this real visceral response to, he's probably not a good guy because that programming is probably not, it's not worked itself out yet. And did you have to kind of force yourself like, let me just date the guy who maybe doesn't seem so exciting and give him a chance? Or was there kind of a, an element where you had to kind of fake it till you make it? Or did it become more natural once you start doing the processing of the programming? So that's interesting you say that because at one point in my journey, I was, um, I was given a bet by a mm. good friend of mine. And that's exactly what she said. She mm. said, you know what? I want you to date a man who is not your type mm. at all. Mm-hmm. And I dare you, you know, to date. <laughs> the next man you date is not going to be your type. Yeah. And I took that on. I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to give it a try. You're right. And and I was pleasantly surprised. Like mm. it surprised me, and that's why I always tell my ladies, you know, the best loves to me are the ones that kind of come out of nowhere, right? You didn't see it coming. Those are like really neat because you're like, man, this guy's totally not my type, but he's amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened to me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like totally, this guy's not my type. I mean, I don't know. Okay, but I'm going to take this dare. I'm going to go out on a few dates with him and see what happens. And we dated for two years and he was amazing. So yeah, sometimes you do have to kind of just tell yourself, you know what, go out with someone who's not your type and give it a chance. Give that chemistry a chance, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, really give it a chance. Yeah. And I think those lists that you mentioned are really important. And I didn't do lists when I was dating because my fear was that I would have these this is what I I need and want. And I was afraid that I would box myself in and maybe, again, I don't agree with myself, but at the time, (laughs) I felt like it was maybe uh, make me too judgmental and not open. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. now looking back, I think a list can be so, so helpful. And I actually did one, which is kind of weird because Mm -hmm. I finally caved and it was, I gosh, I was like, I turned 40 in January and then it was like maybe March and it was this really kind of lonely, cold Chicago night mm-hmm. and I'm in my apartment with my three cats and I'm like mm-hmm. reading some book about how to bring in your man or something. And I was like, all right, they keep telling me I need a list. I'll put it yeah. down. I finally agreed to write a list. And then I met Dan in August of that year and there he is go. every single thing on the list except yeah. I had salt and pepper hair, which at mm-hmm. the time his hair was brown, but now <laughs> there's okay. some salt and pepper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but I, but more importantly than that, I think the list that you talk about and some of the other professionals in the field speak to those must-haves and those deal breakers. Mm. And really that list can give us guidance. So say we do have maybe 
a tendency, unfortunately, to still be attracted to people who aren't good for us. Then you, mm-hmm. you can, I mean, you can be on a date, have your list on your phone, pull out your phone in the ladies' room, take a look. And if you notice something in the first couple dates that this mm-hmm. man is exhibiting that is on your deal breakers, then that's don't it. trust your heart in that moment. Trust your that's head in it. that moment. That's it. And that's why I, I have ladies make those three lists. Yes. You are in a objective space, you know, if you're not dating anyone and right. you sit down, you're you're in your you're in a good space. You're using your rational mind. Right. And see, you got to do this work beforehand. You can't make it up as you go along because that sexy man or that man <laughs> with all the charisma is going to come along and you're like, "Well, I mean, maybe no. No, I need you to in the light of day make these lists." Yeah, because it will bite you. So, But here's the thing I think is interesting about it. And this is part of the reason why I have people do it. I think it sends an energy out. So there's Mm. an energetic pull to these lists. I think it starts to signal to the universe or to, you know, whatever's out there, you know, hey, please start bringing this to me. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of it as well. It's an energetic pull because that story you just told, I can't tell you how many times ladies have told me that, oh, I did the three lists and a month later, two months later, three months later, a guy came to me and, you know, he's a great fit. I was like, exactly. There's an energy to doing this as well. And maybe even believing that those qualities could show up in one person. Yep. Because I think yep. sometimes people go, I'll put down a list and it's going to be the perfect person. He'll be too good to be true. And I really encourage us not to, that's that's a very limiting belief to adhere to. Right. I, would, I would encourage right. flexibility there. <laughs> and I love how you put it. You said, um, I always encourage that women use their head first to yep. make sure it is safe for their hearts to come out to play. And that's what that list does. Like you said, right. in the light of day, when you're rational and right. reasonable, get those qualities down that you know are really imperative for you for a successful, fulfilling relationship. And then because you've got that framework and you're not going to budge on those key key qualities, then your heart can be free to start to fall because you know that your head has already ascertained, go ahead and fall, but I'm going to make the final call here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I know it's it's a shift. It's a shift I have to sell a woman, right? I have to sell her this idea that, okay, we're going to do our due diligence on the front end. Yeah. And this is what's going to keep you safe. I always tell my ladies, your boundaries, your standards, that don't want list, the whole reason why we have those is to keep us safe. Mm. And we've got to keep our physical self safe, our emotional self, our heart safe. We've got to keep ourselves safe. That's our number one responsibility is our safety. That's so true and so well put. If you're into personal development, if you geek out on psych research, and if you're looking to level up in all realms of love and life, a love and life support group is for you. In Love & Life groups, you'll enjoy the camaraderie of connecting with like-minded women. You'll feel encouraged and empowered by others endeavoring to thrive in all realms of love and life. We all know there's strength in numbers. So join us for deep conversations designed to provide healing and promote growth. Head over to my website for more details.
When you have women who push back, and I know in therapy, we have to sometimes confront our clients because mm-hmm. we all have parts that are doing battle within us, right. right? So there's the part that's trying to get healthy, but then the part that's really clinging to that programming. Oftentimes we talk about in family systems, I'm sure you've shared this with your clients, the idea that like what, we, what you went through, there was a part of you that mm-hmm. thought, if I, can, if I can be chosen by that unavailable man in adulthood, it will somehow make up for the fact that my dad and yep. mom split and my dad was out of my life to a greater extent than I wanted. Yep. We, we try That's to repair it. that childhood. We recapitulate those childhood dynamics, hoping to then correct them and right. fix them in adulthood. And it's all subconscious. But right. when, when someone is clinging to that and they're going to say, Anita, I can't, I'm only attracted to these guys. And they're very rigid in their mindset. They don't feel like they have control over their attraction. They're like, what am I supposed to do? How can I change my biology? I, I'm attracted to what I'm attracted to. I think the lists and, and the steps that you mentioned about identifying that programming, being honest about it, processing it, looking for that healing, and then trying to find that peace. And I think, again, like we've been saying, values are sexy. Peace is sexy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lack it of is. drama is sexy. It so is. what do you, how oh. do you help those clients make that shift? But I do have to confront them, yeah. you know, and say, how's what you're doing working for you? <laughs> I you know, yeah. I had a huge paradigm shift at 40 and it didn't feel good. Like everything I believed to be true was a lie. Mm. And I had to you know, it was painful. I had to see it. And then when I said, you know what, but this is not what I want. I want a happy, healthy relationship. I don't want to keep dating my dad over and over, you know? Right. And it was not an easy process, but because I was not happy with the results I was getting over and over, I just made that commitment. And that's why I took that dare from my friend because yeah. she's like, yeah, I dare you. I just date someone who's totally not your type physically or any any other way and let's see what happens. And I'm so glad I did that because it did. It snuck up on me that, oh my gosh, the attraction grew as this person's character was revealed, their kindness, who he was as a father, all of that helped my attraction to grow. And I was like, wow, this is a really great guy. So... I have to challenge those women that, one, I want you to see the results you've been getting if they're not great. And two, it is a paradigm shift. You're going to have to let go of some limiting beliefs there, some things that you honestly, you know, it's the same with healing, um, being attracted to cheaters or liars or narcissists is I had to change my thoughts. I had to stop saying things like, well, all men cheat, all men lie. You know, men are not naturally monogamous. There are things that I'm hearing women say over and over, and you're staying stuck in that limiting belief. So you've got to trash that, that those thoughts, those words that you're saying, and you've got to think a new thought, say a new thing. I often encourage my ladies to find what I call a husband role model. Mm. So that means that I pick a man, whether he is the husband of a good friend of mine, he can be a famous husband, right? He can be someone famous who's married Mm -hmm. and his relationship seems great. He seems like a great husband. That is your husband role model. Like you're going to look to him and say, wow, a guy like that is real. He exists. Mm -hmm. You know, his wife seems happy. Their marriage seems great. 
if he exists, there are other men out there like him. Mm. And so I have several, I have several husband role models. So I'm just like, yeah, there's lots of great men out here. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so important. The piece about the energy, if you're always all day, every day talking in your head, an inner monologue of how horrible men are and they're all no good. (laughs) I mean, in psych, we call it the confirmation bias. You're going to find examples that confirm your bias that all guys are no good. But how about replacing? that with the belief that there are good guys. And according to social psych, you're going to start seeing more examples of those good husbands, the ones that, yeah, the role models just goes back to mindset, that thing that we truly can control. And we, we really minimize the power of it too often until we fully Mm -hmm. grasp it. We really minimize that the power is in our mindset and it's been there all along. We just, we have to wrap our minds around it about how powerful it is. That's it. That's it. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson April and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, there's another thing that struck me as one of the things that you find to be a, a struggle for many women. And I think this is something, especially when women have been single longer than they wanted to be, or they've had their heart broken a lot. You talk about the masculine mask that women put on sometimes mm-hmm. and how that doesn't serve them when they're hoping they're putting this masculine mask, this masculine energy out. They're leading with that and it's not bringing to them the relationship they desire. Speak to that just a bit. So this is where a woman's inner boy, right? So inside of us, we've got a little girl and we've got a little boy. And when she is hurt, when she is disappointed, when things have not worked out the way she wished they would, well, her little boy comes out and he's a go-getter. He makes things happen. He's a protector, Right. And so a lot of women will wear this very masculine mask. They will either throw themselves into their work or they will throw themselves into their friends or they may have a cause or something that they're interested in because, you know, it's very vulnerable to admit that, you know, I would love to have uh, an intimate partner. Like that's that's a very vulnerable thing to admit. Mm -hmm. But I encourage women like I want you to to find that inner little girl. I want you to heal that inner little girl and be vulnerable. I really want you to embrace your vulnerability. I personally believe vulnerability is my superpower as Mm -hmm. a woman. Men love it. They absolutely love it. And so I've just been encouraging women, like, get in touch with that a little bit more. But I get it. I know where that mask comes from mm-hmm. because, yes, we all have that that inner boy that is like, okay, well, you know, I've been disappointed. This guy didn't come through for me or, you know, this happened or that happened. And now I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm going to have this kind of hard exterior. You know, mm-hmm. I am not going to be vulnerable anymore. But you've got to heal that inner little girl. You've got to embrace that vulnerability. And trust when I tell you, 
it's your superpower. And your boundaries and your standards, though, keep you safe. So a lot of women say to me, well, if I lead with vulnerability, men will take advantage of me Mm -hmm. and men will, you know, do me wrong. And I say, no, that's what your boundaries and your standards are for. Mm -hmm. So I I always lead with vulnerability. But if a man says, well, I was thinking we could go back to my place. Oh, I'm super flattered that you find me attractive. However, I don't go to a man's place that I've just met. You know, you have your standards and your boundaries. So as long as you have those, that's going to protect you. You don't need to put that masculine mask on. Your boundaries and your standards are what's going to protect you moving forward. But I've been encouraging women to embrace a little more vulnerability. It is your superpower. I think they get mixed messages oftentimes, right? Because Mm -hmm. they've been raised, I am woman, hear me roar, Mm -hmm. and I don't need a man. And and then they think, oh, well, I'm supposed to be vulnerable, but then they let it all hang out. It's TMI. (laughs) You know, there's a balance. We have to, even with vulnerability and genuine authenticity, we still have to pace. We don't tell our life story in five seconds because, yeah, that could open the door. Someone who is a predator could then try to take advantage of the wounded bird with the mm-hmm. with the broken wing kind of thing. So yeah, it's a bit of a dance. So honestly, when I think about how nuanced it is, it isn't easy to choose well, whether you've had right. programming from a, a rough childhood or not. It's it's a little bit rough out here on <laughs> these streets. It is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, Anita, so again, your book is Choose Well, a simple formula to determine the best man for you. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people, oh yeah, for sure. Where can people find your book and where can they find more about you and your services? So my book is available on Amazon right now. I love to connect with people on my Instagram platform, but you may find me everywhere on social media under the handle Better Love Movement. You may also find me at my website, betterlovemovement.com, where what is there? My podcast is there. My services are there. All of my products are there. Just lots of great information is there. Uh, There's a free mini course, a mini breakup survival skills mini course is there. So head over there and check it out. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. The love and life hack for this week is choose well because you can. Anita learned how to stop being attracted to narcissists, liars, and cheaters, and you can too. Thank you as always for sharing part of your day with me. I appreciate you being part of the Love and Life family. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Until next time, Make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.